Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Five stories of heroic humans saving people. Number three is our favorite. Number three, the human from abusive living situation finally gets freed. Written by Hell's Kitchen Sink. When Tuck first saw the human, she was struck by how soft it looked. She had been born to the royal family of her world, one of the countless colonies of the Lick Imperium, born to privilege. She had been perhaps six years old when the mad beast had been introduced to the Colosseum. She had wept when the poor, sweet creature had been led into the center, left unclothed, standing alone in the center of the sandy basin as four well-trained Lick warriors approached it. She had begged her father not to allow the creature to be hurt, but he had ordered her to watch. The atmosphere of Lux CXXVI was, like most wolves, anemic and thin for the Luck. Tuck, who had grown up there for all her life, was slightly used to it. The vast majority of the Lux spent at least some of their time in the orbital platforms hovering around the world, in the oxygen-rich atmosphere they preferred. Down here... On the sands, under the scorching binary sun, they were relatively slow. Still dangerous warriors, but not as quick as they could be. Tuck had watched her eyes wide as the mad beast had swept through them like a desert sandstorm, ripping limbs from sockets, fists cracking through chitin, as though they were not a group of the most elite gladiators that her father had assembled for this exhibition. She watched as one of them drove a knife through the human's arm, only for it to pull it free and go bloody work on the assailant. The crowd howled with pleasure, and she felt sick. The mad beast's death world of physiology kept it going like that for five years of increasingly unfair battles. The accumulated wounds would have felled a luck in five days, but it healed quickly, even without access to medical care, and kept fighting. This is the nature of humans, murmured her father. His eyes narrowed as they watched the last of the bodies be cleared. The whole point of why I showed this, they look soft, gentle, but they are monsters. They come from a world of death, and they bring only death. Don't be fooled. She was eleven now, and thought a crude, foolish method, but she was a slave of the chains of tradition. It was how her people had maintained order for ten thousand years. Why try something new when something old had always worked? She watched as the human's final battle commenced one hundred of the deadliest mercenaries that money and the promise of glory could buy. She covered her eyes as the human fought, snowing gradually... The sands were mutilated paintings, splatters and sprays weaving an elaborate mural as the human fought. 
It was on its knees, one arm hanging limply at its side, but it still parried a blow after blow from the trident, keeping the sharp bar points from tearing into its vitals with broken knife. Finally, its opponent had it on the ground, pinned, arms held up, driving the trident down. The human arms wavered, the Perchian looked up, lupine ears perked to a father. The elder look held out his tail, and the barbed stinger slowly began to extend. She seized his arm. Father, please. It is a mad beast like all of its kind. Do not be fooled by its appearance. The softness of their features and the gentleness in their eyes, it is not a sign of weakness. It is a terrible trap, daughter. If you ask me to preserve this creature, you will be responsible for it, and you will regret your decision. Please. He let out a sigh and withdrew the stinger, the chitinous arms crossed. The gladiator stepped back from the wounded human, and the mad beast was left to crawl his way back to his cage in the depths of the Colosseum. Tick ran, grabbing a tube of nanomedical paste from the first aid kit in her father's private viewing box as she did. When she approached the cage, she paused. The human sat within, breathing hard, its eyes dull and glossy. It was tall, its arms bulging, white scar tissue crossing every inch of his skin. He looked up sharply. I'm here to help, she murmured softly in a clicking language of her people. She was very surprised when the human replied, Why? It's likewise was curious. Without a mandibles, it had to imitate the sounds with lips and a tongue, giving it a lyrical, gentle, soft sound, so at the brutality in the ring. My father does not wish you for a gladiator anymore. He was willing to let me take care of you. Can I enter? It shrugged, and she unlocked the cage. He stepped nervously, uncertainly, in front of the human. It could have killed her, she knew. Even wounded, even nearly unconscious, it was dangerous. But it didn't move. She began to gently smear the paste across the creature's wounds, the flesh knitting shut, his skin losing the deathly pallor as the bone marrow was stimulated into replacing the lost blood. She smiled up at him. How did you wind up here? She asked softly. She was attacked. I was the only one to survive. They gassed me and brought me here. He frowned. Why are you talking to me? Do you want me to stop? She asked softly, uncertainly clear in her voice. It was hard to not be nervous around a human. He seemed to consider the question for a few seconds and then shook his head. No, it's nice. Her father naturally wasn't pleased with the idea of her taking in the human, but she put her foot down on the matter, and he had no choice but to capitulate to his beloved daughter, grumbling all the while. The next couple of years passed without notable incident. There had been the occasional riot amongst the lower classes, but even those quieted. It was a remarkably prosperous time for the look CXXVI. Do you want your freedom? she asked one day softly. Your father would never grant it, he said, as they sat in the garden. The delicate spray of water filled the air, nourishing the smoothing black jungle, full of plants of the Lux native womb, providing oxygen enough that each breath was deep and nourishing. There is no point in desiring what you cannot have. I had little even before I was captured. I lived life from day to day, surviving on scraps. I never had anything I was good at. That's, um, she frowned, 
I saw you fight. You couldn't have become a mercenary, a soldier. My eyes, he said, tapping his head. I, poor focus, could never afford the treatments to fix it. Very little combat takes place at short range today. I'm not good for anything but those kinds of exhibitions. She nodded slowly. When I'm queen, I'll free you. I could even have your vision repaired. You could go out into the galaxy. It won't be long now. My father's health is... fading. Her carapace clattered as she hung her head. The pain at the thought of her filling her. She was surprised when the large human bent forward and very gently rested his arms around her, squeezing her softly. And yet, it was comforting. The revolution came suddenly and without warning, violence erupted in dozens of cities at once, coordinated well. Before the orbital garrison could regain control, subversive elements within the military had beheaded the command structure, leaving the orbital defenses of Lux CXXVI in disarray. Her father's leadership held in a day as the rebels stormed the palace. She fled through the palace and could only think of one place to go. She entered the Mad Beast room, and it looked up, head tilted in curiosity. What's happening? he asked, in his soft, lyrical like was. Rebels, my father is dead, they're coming for me. They were provocateurs from the peritite. They, uh... She sobbed softly and covered her eyes. Everyone's dead. The captain of the guards, the staff, they're... They're getting everyone. She stiffened as there was a rattling sound of gunfire from the corridor outside. The mad beast stood upright and pointed towards the closet. Slatted, Blackwood siding a few meager possessions. There, she nodded and ran into the closet. Sitting down against the back wall, staring through the slats, her chitin bending in with the surroundings, the door slammed open. Half a dozen of the Luck rebels and the short and brutal rifles of the peritites in their chitinous claws, the red cloaks of the rebellion around them, they came up short when they saw the mad beast sitting silently on the bed, a book in hand. He looked up slowly. Priest, brother, said one of the paratites. Freedom has come for all of those slaves of the king. We are cutting the corruption out from the root. Join us and you will be free. Do you know where the girl is? She watched, her valve sinking in her chest as the human raised a finger and pointed silently at the closet. She watched as they approached and sank back against the wall, hopelessness filling her as they threw open the doors, leveling their rifles. Thus, always to tyrants, hissed the one in the lead. He never even saw the knife coming as it sank into the back of his neck. From a distance, they would have killed him instantly. Up close, clustered around the closet, they were no match. Six red cloaks lay splattered with white ichor on the ground. The human chose two that were the least bloodstained and placed one on Tuck. Why did you save me? she asked, her eyes wide. You saved me. You could have been free. You could have escaped. You didn't have to risk yourself. Yes, I did. You saved my life. I couldn't let you die. She felt a slightly shaken. She had saved the human's life. It had been a passing fancy. It had cost her relatively little. She had begged her father not to let him die and used a bit of freely available medical paste to heal his wounds. If she had been asked to face down six gun-wielding rebels to do it, she would not bring herself to believe that she would ever be able to risk her life so willingly. 
It left her shaken and inexplicably guilty. The human moved like a shadow through the castle, clearing the way for her. Soon they were at the small private spaceport belonging to the king. Not long after that, the ship's engine was humming as they ascended into the sky. I never asked, she said, as the string drive fired up and the stars elongated into long points of light. Your name, I've always known you as a... The Mad Beast. It's all right. I actually liked that nickname. It's much better than my real name. Still, I don't know it. He frowned. If you knew, you might not respect me. You have to promise not to laugh. I swear. Wilbert. The hold of the ship echoed with the raucous clicking laughter of likewise for several minutes as the human's ears grew red. But, in fairness, the only thing that she'd been wearing when she'd run into his room had been her sheer Wilbert. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with, but the easiest way would be to share this video, and if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.